You're listening to The Sport Market. Here to rack the bulls and bears of sport business. Your host, Tom Mayonet. Best of the season to you. Have we got a show for you? Have we got a weekend for you? It is such a good time to be a sports fan this Christmas weekend because it's literally wall to wall and some pretty premium stuff on television and radio over the course of the weekend. We'll get to all of that in these next few minutes. On this hour, we'll have a chance to visit with Ken Reed of Sportsnet. We had a chance to talk to him on our sister show, Pastime Radio, The Collectible Show, a few weeks ago about his new book, Hometown Hockey Heroes. It's one of many great selections for those on your holiday season gift list. We'll hear from Ken Reed on that front. We'll also check in on our Billion Dollar Club, some franchises worth 10 figures. We'll get into some hot stuff with Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. That's her weekly merchandising and apparel report. And we'll also get into our penny stocks, some of the smaller sport business store lens that could make it to the big board in the coming weeks and months. Also, we'll roll out the top three sport business stories of the week on the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. We'll get to that as well. Tino Ferris in the producer's chair. Tino, there's a potpourri. Like, literally, if you're a sports fan, this is a good place to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you want to talk about here? We got the NFL holiday schedule. We got World Juniors coming up in just a couple of days away. In my family, we like to consider this rather than the holiday season. It's it's World Junior season. So uh, we're very excited about that. Of course, you got uh, another night of Hockey Night in Canada, the last one before a couple of days worth of break. So we got a whole slate of everything you could ask for here. It's exciting. Yeah, and, and it warms your heart that uh, the National Lacrosse League also has four games on this Christmas weekend. Of course, uh, that was Friday night and on Saturday night. We're going to get to all of it, but uh, Tino Ferro, you just heard him there. He touched upon it. This is, to kick things off, this is a Raptors game day. Uh, they're uh, on Sportsnet. Uh, 7.30 Eastern Time. And you've also got the 14-game slate in the National Hockey League uh, on this Saturday, including a foursome on Hockey Night in Canada. If you're listening on the Fan 590 in Toronto, of course, Leafs at the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, that's at 7 o'clock Eastern. And Pittsburgh is at Ottawa to play the slumping Ottawa Senators. They haven't got the Jacques Martin bump yet. Obviously, he's trying to get a structure that he believes will be in the Senators' best interest as they try to snap what I believe is now a six-game losing streak. And then this evening, if you're listening on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary, it is the Flames at the Los Angeles Kings. Kings um, taking advantage of some games in hand, trying to stake their place near the top of the Pacific Division as well. And then on the West Coast, it's the San Jose Sharks visiting the Vancouver Canucks, who are on a 6-0-2 streak going into the game. They're tied with the Vegas Golden Knights at the top of the National Hockey League standings, and very few would have had that on their playlist earlier this year. Habs, Jets, Edmonton Oilers, 
all played on Friday night. They all won. So they're now, those three teams, Montreal, Winnipeg, and Edmonton, are into their Christmas break. And the focus today is on the Leafs, the Sens, the Flames, and the San Jose Sharks. It's also a very, very active college football Saturday with seven bowl games on the docket today. Let's kick things off, though, with our opening bell commentary. You know, I've always said over these past few years that 2015, the year of the FIFA Women's World Cup, was a real tipping point for professional women's sport and for women in sport in general. And I still stand by that. I was lucky enough to be at a couple of matches during that FIFA Women's World Cup in Vancouver at BC Place. And I'll tell you, I've been there for great cups. I've been there for other special events. Never has it been louder than it was for Canada, England. Uh, Canada, of course, of Christine Sinclair fame. That was before... They won the Olympic medal in Tokyo 2020, which wound up, of course, being held in Tokyo 2021. But basically, the the building point has only gotten more from that FIFA Women's World Cup. And yes, that might have been a tipping point, but 2023 going into 2024 is a realization point. All kinds of stories in terms of salaries, uh, you know, spiking, women athletes being paid more than they've ever been paid paid before. Now, listen, uh, there's very few of them in the Shohei Otani, you know, category, but it is night and day from where it was. And that's why I believe 2024, one of the real big signature elements in the business of sport will be the business of women's sport. And it begins from a hockey point of view next weekend on January 1st when the Professional Women's Hockey League kicks off uh, with games involving Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa, the three Canadian teams in the PWHL, and New York, Boston, and Minnesota, the three American games. Mattamy uh, uh, Centre in Toronto, the old Maple Leaf Gardens, is the site of a game between Toronto and and New York, and that is on January 1st, 2024. We'll talk more about the Professional Women's Hockey League, of course, in the coming weeks. Uh, I'll, I'll say it again. I, I, I said it before. The one quibble that I have as a branding guy, as a sport business guy, is I'm not so sure I would have gone with the PWHL, partly because the Provincial Women's Hockey League in Ontario, Fran Ryder's uh, project, the Tobacco Dolphins and, and those kinds of teams, that's been, play, that's been in place since 2004. So it's got the same acronym, PWHL. I would have gone with WNHL. I would have followed the NBA, WNBA model. And yes, it's an international league, but look, that applies to the association, association it plays to the National Hockey League as well. Uh, I would have branded it the Women's National Hockey League, the WNHL. Either way, though, this is good stuff for women's sport. Let's check out our podium. Now, with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For stories, go to thesportmarket.biz. 
There's a series of NFL storylines that we'll talk about this hour on the sport market, but one of them is our bronze medal story. It's our number three sport business story of the week. The Detroit Lions, who obviously are having a very impressive season, put a little bit of dampness on the holiday cheer by informing season ticket holders that they will be increasing prices significantly for the 2024-2025 NFL campaign at Ford Field, obviously home of the Detroit Lions. Jeff Lesson of CBS Detroit talks about the perspectives of both sides. Well, Shana, I can see both sides of it. You know, on one side... It's a PR disaster for the Detroit Lions. Think about it. The week before Christmas, some season ticket holders are seeing a 150% increase in their ticket prices for next year. Of course, the other side of it is, hey, you get what you pay for, supply-demand. Lions all of a sudden were oversubscribed for season tickets, and they went out to substantiate a price increase. But, Shana, before this year, actually, 2023, the line season tickets, the tickets as a whole were priced 31st out of 32nd in the league. So that's how expensive they were. In other words, almost the least expensive. Of course, you can argue as terrible as this team has been for so many decades, they deserve to be there. And they were priced accordingly. But now, Shana, that they are, you know, better than an average team, they're still only going to be 18th in the league inexpensive tickets next year which is still below average because you know there's 32 teams and so you can say you can see where the lines are going with this it's fair right that's jeff lesson of cbs detroit talking about our bronze medal story on the podium funded by alpine credits and that is the lions picking this week to make it official that they will be raising ticket prices across the board from as low as 33%, which is a significant hike year over year to 85%, some premium, premium seats uh, going for 150% what they were in 2023. Now to me, timing is, is absolutely wrong on this, but on the other hand, they're at least raising their prices on the strength of sellouts. You never should raise your ticket prices, especially for season tickets, if you're not selling out every game. And the Lions do that to the tune of 65,081 seats. Uh, They basically do 100.9% capacity at Ford Field. I think, though, it's too much too quickly. And even though they'll be in the middle pack of uh, prices among NFL teams, it reminds me of what the Detroit Red Wings, one of the most popular heritage brands in the National Hockey 396 game win, uh, sellout streak at Joe Louis Arena at the time. And they, just before the playoffs, jacked up the playoff tickets. It wound up uh, featuring empty seats during the playoffs, which had been unheard of in Detroit, and then their sellout streak ended. It didn't carry over into the next season. They did it too much in one fell swoop, and these aren't the kind of macroeconomic times I'd be being that aggressive. I get 10 15%, maybe even 20%, but 33 to 150% with, with a lot of premium packages, 85% increase, That is risky territory. In the silver medal position, our number two sport business story of the week, holiday cheer. It is a big 
football weekend. Of course, it's a big basketball weekend, the uh, uh, conventional Christmas day in the NBA. But the NFL is moving in with authority. Here's Nate Burleson on the holiday schedule. And we're just we're not afraid of the holidays anymore. At first, it was like, listen, football was like, hey, yo, man up top. We're going to need Sunday. All right. You get a little, I get a little and we can work it out like that. Now, now football is just bullying their way up into holidays. Like, yeah. hey, yo, Santa, I'm going to need you to chill. <laughs> Make your runs the night before. But don't step on my toes the day of. Hey, hey I, get I your work done, like- son. Get your work done, Santa. <laughs> and they were listen, uh, uh, talking about the holiday schedule. Now, you know, the NBA probably was uncomfortable with the NFL moving in the way it has on Christmas Day because that was, in a lot of ways, the official start of the NBA season. The NBA has pivoted itself and and not relied completely on the Christmas uh, kickoff to the real NBA season because they did the in-tournament, in, in uh, uh, the, the in-season tournament. But I do think that... You can't blame the NFL because here's the product that they have, a record of standalone games. You've got seven standalone games. This Thanksgiving weekend, you had six. This is now a record of standalone games on any one weekend. Saints-Rams kicked it off on Amazon Prime on Thursday. You've got two games uh, today on Saturday, um, a, a a standalone Sunday night football game between the Pats and the Broncos, and then you've got that Christmas Day triple header in the NFL, Raiders Chiefs on CBS, New York Giants Eagles on Fox, and Ravens 49ers on ABC and ESPN. Not only do you have games in terms of volume, you have games in terms of quality. We'll get into more of that later this hour here on The Sport Market. But our number one sport business story of the week the gold medal story on the podium funded by Alpine Credits. It's the Dodgers going to the bank again. But the big winner of the offseason is usually a team that had a disappointing year before, not one that had 100-plus wins. And, yeah, there was a disappointment in the postseason. But this team was already built to go back and contend again. And now they've added three mega stars uh, in Glasnow and Otani and Yamamoto. So, uh, you know, I think the Dodgers have certainly let it be known that they have no plans of uh, a first-round exit this year. They have, This is World Series or bust. Uh, and you really have to look at the Otani contract and the way that it was uh, set up with all the deferred money uh he did that so they can go out and sign other players well they certainly did that they went out and spent uh more money on a tour pitcher than anybody's ever spent before that's mark feinson talking about los angeles dodgers and the gold position on the sport market podium funded by alpine credits check this out and we'll get into this later this hour shohei otani yoshinobu yamamoto and tyler glasnow In two years, that'll be three terrific starting pitchers if they hold form. But here's the sport business number that's a shocking one. The Dodgers have spent more in long-term free agency this offseason, about $1.05 to $1.1 billion U.S., than the $873 million that was spent by each of the other 29 Major League Baseball teams. So literally, the Dodgers, one franchise in Major League Baseball, spending more on free agents this offseason 
than all of the other teams combined. We'll get into more of that next right here as we continue to rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the sport market, rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. It's so hard. It's so hard to describe the feeling of, you know, not playing for so long, or at least what feels like a really long time to me. And then you sit there, you watch games, you wonder, can I do this still? I haven't been out there on the field. That's the human nature of it. You get back out there last week, I'm like, you know what? I'm the man, so I can go do this. And then you got another test this week where I didn't know if I was going to play or not. Sure enough, ended up playing. We're playing the Eagles tonight. And the, the boys around me rallied tonight. And it's just, gosh, it feels so good. It feels so good. I'm so proud of everybody tonight. He is the man. He's Drew Locke, backup quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, but he was anything but the backup on Monday Night Football on ESPN and ABC last week where the Seattle Seahawks did what they needed to do against the Philadelphia Eagles, and Drew Locke was absolute clutch. It's part of this show simply because you don't get a post-game interview much better than that. And Drew Locke deserves so much credit. He did everything right. He acknowledged uh, his teammates. He shared the love. He mentioned them in first and second names. Uh, he was open and honest. He, he spoke technical enough that we can learn a little bit about the game from his interview. And more than anything, he was humble and from the heart. And that makes for a very engaging interview. And give full credit to Lisa Salter of uh, ESPN. She gave Drew Locke all the space that he needed to do one of the best post-game interviews I've ever seen in my life. It's holiday season, of course. We're talking about our big sport business storylines going into the weekend. But we're also talking about some suggestions for those sports fans on your Christmas list. And one of them has got to be Hometown Hockey Heroes, penned by Sportsnet's own Ken Reed. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll hear from him in just a couple of moments. And of course, uh, uh, Ken Reed of um, uh, Sportsnet Central, uh, one of the real popular broadcasters uh, from coast to coast, not surprising that this was the angle that he pursued. Hockey heroes from small towns. And there's so many stories like this throughout Canada. And we're just efforting that right now. In the, in the meantime, though, we're going to check out our Billion Dollar Club. The Billion Dollar Club. The Forbes NHL Ratings came out last week, and yes, no surprise, the richest franchise in the National Hockey League for the second year in a row, the $2.8 billion Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's a Forbes projection on the basis of $281 million in estimated annual revenue. It keeps the Leafs ahead of the New York Rangers, who are at $2.65 billion, and the Montreal Canadiens at $2.3 billion. Uh, There's two other Canadian teams in and around the top 10. The Oilers are in the top 10 at $1.85 billion, and the Vancouver Canucks in 12th 
place on the Forbes list at $1.3 billion. You look at the Maple Leafs, a big chunk of their value comes from the market size of Toronto. There's no question about that. And it is the largest market in the country. But it also comes from the intrinsic value of the heritage brand that is the Maple Leafs, uh, one of the truly storied franchises in North American sport history, not just the National Hockey League. And the Leafs, of course, uh, on tap in Columbus, trying to go into the Christmas break on an up note. Uh, They've had a, a peculiar season. There's been enough games where you've sort of been left disappointed and and the criticism from fans and media commentators alike has been there. But when you um, uh, look at their record, they're still very much in play. They're second in the Atlantic, uh, six points behind the Boston Bruins. They're fifth in the Eastern Conference overall, and they got the 12th best record in the league overall. That's Nothing really to sneeze at, but you still have the sense that the team just hasn't been able to pull itself together. What we're going to do is we're going to get to uh, Ken Reed just around the corner here. We'll also hear from Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. Ken Reed of Sportsnet, obviously, um, uh, uh, we'll get him to talk about Hometown Hockey Heroes, one of the many great sports books that you might want to consider for those on your Christmas list. That and a lot more still to come here on the Sport Market on Sportsnet Radio Network, including Fan 590 Toronto. You're listening to the Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Manette. First shoot on attempt is a Red Wing. Two and one in the game, Patrick Kane scores! Red Wings win it! Seven to six, Patrick Kane, what a night! What a night indeed for Red Wings fans and for Patrick Kane himself. Of course, he gets two goals in regulation time, caps it out with the shootout winner, and that is the stuff that sports dreams are made of. Great to see. Patrick Kane, and if he can be anywhere near sustaining that kind of impact, it'll be an absolute bonus for the Wings and for himself. Of course, coming off that surgery that is not an easy thing to recover from, but he certainly showed no signs of wear and tear in that particular shootout and in the game itself. Essentially, that was a, let's say, Patrick with an asterisk on it. We had some technical difficulties in the last segment, but we've got those all set aside and we'll bring you the Ken Reed interview from Pastime Radio, the collectible show. We had him on uh, last month uh, talking about hometown hockey heroes, his new book. Well, I grew up in a small town and the NHL was a long way away, but my original hockey heroes, aside from the Montreal Canadiens, were the Picto Mariners. They were a junior C team in my town of 5,000. I could not go to the Montreal Forum to see Pete Lafleur, but I could walk over down the hill to my local arena, the Hector Arena, and I could see the Picto Mariners win four straight Nova Scotia Junior C championships. And my favorite player was a guy named Teapot. He was number eight, Dana Johnson. They called him Teapot. And he is still the local legend in town. Like He's the 
Like he he was the guy that scored all the goals when he needed one. And uh, you know, he's the best fisherman in town. He's the best golfer in town. So I thought, man, that's it's so cool to be like a local legend like that. This guy had a huge impact on me, even though he didn't make the NHL. He's kind of the hero of the town. And I thought there's got to be other guys like him around. Like I can't be the only guy that just went and watched my local junior team or senior team. And they were my heroes as opposed to just, you know, looking up to like a Pavel Bure or a Wayne Gretzky. So I threw it out there on Twitter, you know, who's, who's your local legend. You never made it to the NHL, but everybody still loves and all these names came flying at me. And, uh, I narrowed it down to about 17, 18 guys. I got a book out of it. Uh, we go into every Canadian province. And it was uh, it was just an absolute blast to to find out that there's people there's people in the book who went to lengthy NHL careers who speak about you know being inspired by guys who just you know played senior hockey in their town or or junior hockey in their town. We're talking to Ken Reed for another couple of minutes here on Pastime Radio, the collectible show. Uh, do you already? Ha- I know you're early stages you're celebrating the completion of hometown hockey heroes you've got this mm-hmm. signing sessions uh, lined up at the toronto sport card expo uh next weekend uh do you already have sort of another idea or two as to your next book your next hockey book or your next sports book yeah i'm getting there um i depending on the success of this one and it's been very successful so far i could see doing a follow-up to it because the stories are kind of endless because every town has that guy I discovered, right? Like, we always heard in hockey, you know, oh, this I would have made it if, or this guy would have made it if. And I kind of flipped it around, and I said, well, maybe they did make it, but just in a different way. You know, you can still have a huge impact on people even though you're not in the NHL. So I think this could end up being a series. So if it, if it did, I think that would be a lot of fun because it was, it was fun to put together and kind of play detective because these aren't stories that are – have been told many times before. So if, if I ended up doing another one of these books, uh, a part two, I'd be very happy. I might have asked you this last time we talked, but your favorite trading card of all time that you have in your in your possession and then uh-huh. the most coveted card of all time that you yeah. don't have but you'd love to have? I'm sure everybody says this, but it's my original Gretzky rookie that I had since I was a kid. 7980. So that'd be the first, my favorite one in my possession. And the one I'd want that I don't have would be a 51 52 Parker's Gordy Howe. I've come close a couple times, but I'd like to get my hands on one of those. So we'll see. We'll see if maybe I find the right one at the, at the expo next week. That is Ken Reed of Sportsnet, sport broadcaster author of Hometown Hockey Heroes, certainly on the very short list of the uh, the best suggestions that I could give you in terms of Christmas books for sports fans on your list. And he's also a collector, a very avid collector. Ever since he was a little guy, you heard him there uh, talking about that. That was from an interview on our companion show, Pastime Radio, The Collectible Show, last month. Before we welcome on board Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games, time to check out some hot stuff. Hot stuff. What's hot in jerseys, merchandising, and licensing on the sport market? Cross-promotion drives attention. Cross-promotion gets people thinking about what you've got for sale. And the Los Angeles Dodgers have got plenty of new jerseys and new apparel for sale. Shohei Otani's number 17, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Tyler Glasnow, 
all of them acquired during this offseason. And the cross-marketing has made them absolutely the hottest jerseys, not just in Major League Baseball, but in North American sport. And of course, the the lead jersey, Shohei Otani, uh, he was featured on uh, Thursday Night Football on Prime Video. Uh, and they also brought in a Yamamoto uh, jersey, trying to capitalize on the massive television audience there. You cannot even put a price tag on the value of that kind of promotion, especially when you're talking NFL football, cross-promoting Major League Baseball. Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games is our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, and certainly Ken you know, you could, the Dodgers could be radio silence uh, through the offseason, and a lot of fans would still be all over Otani, Yamamoto, Glasnow. But when you've got such an aggressive marketing campaign before the Christmas holidays, uh, there's certainly a lot of traction there, isn't there? Absolutely. I, I can't imagine the the buzz in the city and the apparel shops and the amount of requests that they would be getting at this time. Ken, uh, when you look at Otani, uh, you, it's been uh, two weeks now since the unofficial reports came out, uh, just over a week since he's been officially signed. Uh, what are the takeaways? What can we expect in terms of how hot a commodity he will be wearing the colors of a heritage brand like Los Angeles Dodgers, given the fact that as a member of the LA Angels, who just aren't quite the same in terms of national following or history, uh, he still was moving the needle in a big way as an angel. Uh, it can only go to the next level a couple of times over as a Dodger. Yes, I would think so. I mean, that uh, that Southern California market is so huge to begin with. But, you know, the Dodgers being so big right across uh, the United States and, you know, Tawny being an international star, um, selling in Asia, um, I can only imagine what uh, the numbers are going to be when it comes year end. Is there any doubt in your mind that the Dodgers, uh, by a long shot, become the most popular uh, jersey-selling team in Japan with Otani and Yamamoto, uh, and, and and even the Japanese? national team promotional opportunities and and licensing opportunities that are connected to that yeah it's it's definitely going to be be a big one um i think they're going to be taking a a good chunk of market share from the pinstripes which i would assume would would have been the the biggest brand previously prior to otani i'm referring to we're talking to Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. Uh, Ken, uh, we had a chance to talk about this uh, last night, and we'll be talking about it on Pen Pastime Radio, the collectible show on the Sportsnet Radio Network uh, later this weekend. But Lionel Messi's six-pack winds up going for... Uh, $7.8 million. It becomes the, uh, the biggest uh, collectibles transaction of the year surprise there that this was such a big ticket item his six pack of jerseys from the uh qatari hosting of the 2022 fifa world cup yeah it's a big one and and uh it just goes to show that when you have those historical events and certainly international events that uh 
the collectors are, are always after a piece of history. Last one for you. Obviously, this is such a busy retail weekend going into Christmas. A lot of sports fans, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, dropping hints as to what they want for uh, uh, for their holiday uh, gift list. Uh, the Cup debuted on Wednesday. Uh, how hot uh, a response have you seen at the retail level for Upper Deck the Cup? Yeah, being the most premium brand and having the most coveted cards, uh, for the calendar when it comes to NHL. Um, it's, it's not for everyone because of the price level, but everybody certainly wants it. And it's one of the most requested products for, for throughout the year. Ken, I know it's such a busy time. We really appreciate you taking time out to be with us here on the sport market. Uh, best of the season uh, uh, to you and the family. Uh, we'll be talking again later this weekend. Wonderful. Thank you so much, and to you and yours as well. He is Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. You can reach him at ken at pastimesports.ca. Next up, it's the Sport Market Power Rankings, the five hottest franchises in North American professional sport. We'll also be visited by Torben Rolfson with the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport, a lighter side take on the business of sport, and we'll give you some final thoughts at least this hour on our podium stories, the top three sport business stories of the week. Dodgers, the National Football League's holiday television campaign, and the Detroit Lions. Are they pushing too hard on their price hike? And hey, what about that timing of doing it right before Christmas? That's all next, right here on The Sport Market, where we're rating debating the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650. Come on down to Brady Auto and catch some major league savings. Now sing that. That guy just never let us lose. Except to the Giants. Twice. Twice. got to give the folks at Fanatics and Tops full credit for what they did on the Tom Brady Expos card and commercial from last week. It uh, so well done. Of course, you heard there at the end the voices of not only Tom Brady talking about Brady Auto, uh, but Larry Walker, Vladimir Guerrero, and Pedro Martinez all, of course, um, uh, could have been teammates if he had been, if he'd wound up pursuing his baseball dream after being drafted by the Montreal Expos instead of reporting to Patriots training camp in the National Football League. It's just so well done. If you haven't seen it yet, I guarantee it'll put a smile on your face um, and maybe even a little bit of a, 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 a tear in the eye if you're an Expos fan uh, like I was growing up on the West Island of Montreal. My very first professional sports event ever was going to an Expos game against the New York Mets at the old Jerry Park back in the day. Mac Jones, the mayor of Jonesville, I, Jonesville, I paid 50 cents for my bleacher tickets. A Rusty Staub, uh, uh, Ron Fairley. I mean, the, 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 list, the list goes on from those memories. And uh, Tops and Fanatics tapping right into it in a real classy way. They, they did such a good job of it, in my view. We're going to 
revisit some of the big sport business storylines of the week on the Sport Market Podium funded by Alpine Credits in just a couple of moments. But first, we're going to check out the five hottest franchises in North American professional sport. The Sport Market Power Rankings, the hottest performing franchises in North American professional sports. Our power rankings combine the wins and losses, the sport operations side of any of these franchises with the business upside. Everything from franchise valuation and revenue generation to television numbers, attendance and more. And on that note... Big shout out and honorable mention to the Vancouver Canucks, one of the big surprises this National Hockey League season. They're the 12th richest franchise in the NHL at a Forbes valuation of $1.32 billion, but no one's talking about start on the ice. They go into the weekend at 22-9-3 with the best overall record in the National Hockey League. They're 7-1-2 in their last 10. Honorable mention in the NFL also goes to the 10-4 Miami Dolphins who have a Forbes valuation of $5.7 billion. And in the NBA, in the association, honorable mention to the heritage brand that is the Boston Celtics. They're 21-6, first place in the East, 8-2 in their last 10. They've got a Forbes valuation of $4.7 billion, just ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks on the court. The Bucks are a half game back. They've also won 8 of their last 10. Their Forbes valuation, $3.2 billion. And then top of the charts in the Western Conference, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're 21 and Six, eight and two in their last ten. Their Forbes valuation is two point five billion dollars. But none of them are in the Power Five. Number five. It's the New York Rangers, the second richest franchise in the National Hockey League. They're valued at $2.65 billion based on projected annual revenues of $265 million. Very interesting to see there being a multiple of 10 times revenue for their franchise value. They're seven and three in their last 10 on the ice, go into the weekend with 45 points at 22, seven and one. Number four. It's the Dallas Cowboys, who are the richest franchise in the NFL at a Forbes valuation of $9 billion, but they're also richest in North America. They're the highest valued franchise in the world. And that is driven by a projected $1.14 billion in annual revenues. Dak Prescott has got them at 10 and 4. Number three. It's the LA Clippers, fifth richest franchise in the NBA. They're valued by Forbes magazine at $4.65 billion based on projected annual revenues of $425 million. But on the court, where it matters to fans, they're doing even better. They're 9-1 in their last 10. They won nine straight before crashing at the hands of Shai Gilgis, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and the OKC Thunder on Thursday night. Number two. It's the Baltimore Ravens of the National Football League. They're 11-3 and on the field where they've won four straight games. Off the field, they're the 17th richest franchise in the NFL, according to Forbes magazine, with a valuation of $4.63 billion. Lamar Jackson, of course, a force to be reckoned with, with the Ravens being one of the Super Bowl contenders. Number one. It's the San Francisco 49ers, 11-3 and 
on the field. They've won six straight games. So interesting to see not one but two MVP candidates from the Heritage Band that is the 49ers. Brock Purdy at quarterback and Christian McCaffrey, of course, as the running back. The 49ers are the ninth richest franchise in the NFL at a valuation by Forbes of $6 billion. That's based on $622 million of projected annual revenue. So it's the 49ers number one, the Baltimore Ravens number two, the Dallas Cowboys number three, the LA Clippers number four, and the NHL's New York Rangers number five. Certainly the Detroit Lions making waves, even though they're not part of the Power Five. They're on our podium, funded by Alpine Credits in the bronze medal position for, at this time of year, announcing a significant hike in their prices. Now listen, uh, the bottom line is they are selling out, and what controls ticket prices is not revenue needs or expenses or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It's simply supply and demand. And the Lions will be successful whatever price they put on uh, the tickets as long as it's reflective of the demand. And there's significant demand because they're selling out every game to the tune of 65000 plus at Ford Field. Now, to me, however, a 30% plus increase on average, some ticket categories... 85% and more increases. I just think in the, in this particular macroeconomic time, I think it's a real high-risk proposition. And it reminds me of what the Detroit Red Wings did, who has been selling out and selling out and selling out with one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, 386 consecutive sellout games. They jacked the prices by about 25-30% for the playoffs. They had empty seats not only during that playoff run, but in the beginning of the next season. So their sellout streak was over and done with. Uh, I also think the timing, they could have been uh, more cognizant of the time as opposed to doing it right before the holidays, where it looks like even more of a cash grab to get deposits in as Christmas presents. And again, we've talked about the NFL, a record seven standalone games. This is pushing the envelope and showing the NFL that it has some room, room to grow in terms of additional standalone primetime games. And then when it comes to the Dodgers, the real key will be what do the other 31 teams do to keep their fans engaged? Best of the season to you. We'll close out this hour on the sport market with a lighter side take on the business of sport. The sport market on Sportsnet 650 presents the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. The NHL and Diamond Sports Group reached agreement for 11 U.S. cities to retain local broadcasting rights through the end of the season. Reached a poolside for comment. The Florida Panthers TV viewer says he is thrilled. Did you see that seven-year-old girl announcer on the Colorado Avalanche broadcast? She sounded like she was possessed by Stephen A. Smith. I need an old priest and a young priest. And Connor Bedard hosted his favorite childhood team, the Canucks in Chicago. After the Blackhawks lost, it might have been tempting to say, this ain't your boyhood Canucks team, Connor. Considering he was five during the 2011 finals run, it may be the closest to them yet. Rookies Bedard and Victor Wembanyama met at the United Center in Chicago and exchanged autographed jerseys. Very nice sig from Connor on the top part of his eight. Wemby's auto looked like a seismograph missing a working part. 
You've been listening to the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson, a special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market.